You're listening to the Health by Design podcast, and I'm your host, Roar Alexander, wellness architect and functional lifestylist. I spent nearly six years of my life on a journey through the ancient East to bring you the cutting-edge combination of modern Western health sciences blended with the time-proven ancient traditions, principles, and practices that have flourished through thousands of years across countless cultures, peoples, and nations. Join me and my many special guests from all corners of the globe as we aim to help you live stronger, longer, and better. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Health by Design podcast. I'm your host, Roar Alexander, and this week I have coming up for you uh, the first part in what I believe is a very interesting uh, series that I've actually been looking forward to doing for a long time now, and I finally started putting together my guests. Uh, and this episode is the first in a series about kind of alternative education when it comes to our kids. You may or may not know, but I have a son who's about three and a half years old right now, and I am deciding what I want to do with his education down the road. Um, you know, you, you probably don't know this about me, but I am not a big fan of this drive towards sending kids off to university and coming out of school with these huge, um, you know, these huge amounts of money owing. You know, uh, the government has made it so going bankrupt on student loans is the one thing you can't do, which in theory is kind of should be technically illegal because you're not supposed to discriminate. Um, yet they discriminate against students. I believe it's the one thing that you cannot go bankrupt on for up to seven years. So I just, you know, I honestly, I went to university, don't get me wrong, and I enjoyed it. But looking back, I kind of said, well, A, did I really need it? Because I've never used my degree. It, it, it's, I have used it, obviously, but, you know, I haven't, I, my degree was basically in psychology. Yet, you know, I haven't worked within the psychology department. Now, I have found it helpful, but I, I don't think it's put me any further, really, than I would have had to. Um, to me, university now, especially nowadays, could be, you know, you could pretty much get the same education between YouTube and a library card. So I'm not a big fan of this whole push. And another thing I'm not a big fan of is the modern education system. Um, you know, this is my personal opinion, but I think they push a lot of the wrong stuff. When I look at math, I'm kind of like, what kind of math do you really need to know as an adult? It kind of ends it. I don't even know if they call it anymore bedness, right? You got your you got your addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Um, you need to know percentages, you know, you, things like that. You need do need to know some fractions, but really that's kind of where it ends. I don't think you really need to get into algebra and calculus and all that. So I, I wouldn't have a problem with it if they didn't emphasize things like that, yet take away and say cutting back on arts and cutting back on physical education. I don't like the food they serve in schools. There's a lot. There's just, there's honestly just a lot about the modern schools I don't like. Um, the, the kids sitting all day. Even the start of school, I think, is too early. They've done studies on it, and they've shown that kids do a lot better if they start school. I think it's 9.30 or 10 a.m. About one hour later, kids do significantly better. Um we look at, you know, Canadian kids have scored a D minus when it comes to their physical education. Uh, this is the first generation. We're getting fatter and weaker. Um, so while the kids are getting taller, they're also getting weaker. So that's not a good thing. Those two aren't really supposed to happen. So I have a lot of problems with the, the typical public school system right now. You know, huge full classes, very little attention paid. It's, it's either a sink or swim sort of system. And yet, there are a lot of alternatives out there, yet most people really don't know what they are. And most people have a stigma. When, like if I say homeschooling, a lot of people still have a real stigma, yet it's become a very viable kind of schooling now. There's you know homeschooling clubs. There's kids that get together. One of the biggest things people say is the kids have no social skills. Well, that's not been proven to be quite right because there's so many social things. And in fact, there are studies that show that kids who do worlds, uh, sorry, homeschooling, they score better pretty much across the board. Um, so, you know, this isn't to say that 
I, I don't, and like I said, I'm not a professional when it comes to this stuff. I've just started looking into it myself. But I really wanted to do a series, especially if you're a parent out there, just to open your eyes to the other sorts of things that are available than just the typical you know, public school. So some of the things I'm looking at is I'm looking into world schooling because I do like to travel and I want my family to travel. And, you know, uh, I want my kid. He uh, speaks Thai right now. He, he's got his English down. And he, I'm going to be teaching him Mandarin. So to me, my philosophy is a lot more about experiences and kind of who you know. So for me, that's a really big one. So world schooling is something that I'm really interested in, experiences and just, you know, learning different languages and learning about different cultures, I think is really important. Um, Homeschooling is another viable option. Kind of world schooling to me is kind of a mix of traveling and then with some homeschooling. So, but there's world schooling, which we'll get into on today's episode because we're talking to Brandon Pierce. Uh, Brandon Pierce is probably... One of the best guys when it comes to understanding homeschooling, um, you know, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, but then, uh, sorry, I meant to say world schooling with him. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing some people on homeschooling, and I'm also going to be looking at some of the alternative schools that are out there, such as the Waldorf School and the Montessori School, as well as some after school or intra-school, not even quite see, I don't even know exactly how they work, schools like nature programs, nature school, things like that. So I really want to put a series together. Now, this series doesn't go in order, so don't think if you ha- if you don't have kids that you know, you're not going to be able to listen to the next four or five episodes. I'm probably going to do one episode maybe per month. Um, so they'll just pop up randomly. Um, I'm not going to put them all in a row. So it's not like for the next four weeks, all you're going to hear about is alternatives to schooling. Um, but this is the first one in that. And eventually when I place these into a playlist, particularly on YouTube, they'll probably be placed into their own mini series. Um, but Brandon, I, you know, I started researching on, whole, on, on world schooling and Brandon's stuff came up because he's just such a leader in this field. Now I'll let him talk about it cause he can explain it a lot more than him, but he does have a few interesting websites and we'll put those in the show notes, but you can go to, um, at the end, if you're really interested, you can go to www.pierceonearth.com and his name is spelled P-E-A-R-C-E. So that's pierceonearth.com. You can also check out his website, dreamachievementblueprint.com. And as well, you can also check out brandonpierce.com. And on Instagram, you can also find him as Pierce on Earth. And the final website that I have for him is familyadventuresummit.com. So we'll get into all that. Right now, they probably don't mean much to you, but by the end, they probably will, particularly if you have kids and particularly if you're interested in traveling. So... Uh, We're going to get into that in one moment. Just remember, as always, if you need help with your health, you need help with your wellness, you know, your fitness, maybe it's your family health, maybe it's just your personal health and your personal fitness, maybe you tried the different diets, you've screwed around with all the different supplements, and you're just tired of all that nonsense, and you just want to feel good, you want to live, as I say, stronger, longer, and better, you can set up an absolutely free call with me by going through my website at www.roaralexander.com slash free call. Fill out the little application form at the bottom, send it off to me, and if everything looks great uh, and it looks to me like you're excited to talk, I will contact you and we will set up an absolutely free call to see how I can help you. So with no further ado, let's get on to my interview with world schooling master, Brandon Pierce. So I'm here with Brandon Pierce. Brandon is a leader in intentional family living and the founder of the Family Adventure Summit. How are you doing today, Brandon? Doing great. Thanks, Ra. No problem. Now, Brandon, you are in Bali at the moment, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Beautiful Ubud. Yes. And now you're saying that you're, the, you're uh, heading off to India. Was it tomorrow? Yeah, we're going tomorrow for, uh, for a visa run. We'll be in Kerala for uh, about two and a half weeks. And this is your first time in India? Yeah, Are you planning, it is. Are you going to plan on doing some yoga there at all? Uh, um, <laughs> maybe. We will see. <laughs> yeah, we'll be... Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I was saying, uh, we were talking earlier, I was saying I actually used to live in Indonesia. Now, you've been there, um, you said, on and off. Uh, you stayed there for up to a few months at a time for the last six years, did you not? 
Yeah, we we initially came, I think, in 2013, and we've stayed. So, some years we've been there for most of the year, some years just a month or so, mm. uh, in, in addition to our other travels. I mean, we've been to around 40 different countries over the past nine years, so we're kind of uh, all over the place, but this is one of the places we consider a home base. Yeah, this is one of your home bases. Now, have you been there this year? They've seen to have some troubles with some natural disasters this year. I believe there was a landslide just outside of Jakarta recently. Was that correct? Um, you know, I'm not really sure about that. Uh, Bali is fairly removed from Jakarta, so I, I'm not always up on the news uh, okay. with what's going on there. But there were volcanoes uh, here uh, last year that, that were an issue, some earthquakes. Uh, we weren't here for those, fortunately, but... Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty issues. sure there was a tsunami recently somewhere, um, somewhere around there. But yeah, I know. But just I have a few friends that live in Bali, and it's just been seems to be a bit of a rough year as far as natural disasters go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. You guys are okay. So the reason I have you on, one of the reasons is I've been um, searching. I'm trying to do a series, as I told you, on alternative education. Um, I find that there's a lot of families, a lot of parents who don't realize that there's so many options now when it comes to education for their children. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think it's a great topic because it's, it's something that, you know, we tend as a society to just kind of go along with, with the standard of whatever everyone else seems to be doing or what we think is expected when there are so many options, as you just said. Yeah, well, I think one of the yeah. things, too, is a lot of people don't think about how technology has shifted. And I think one of the big movements why you can do a lot more of these, like whether it's homeschooling or travel schooling, I think, you know, I, would, I, I think, you know, just off the top of my head that technology must have a big part to play in that. Would that be kind of correct to say? <laughs> I, I absolutely. I, I think it, well, in some methodologies, some there's uh, some types of alternative education that kind of issue technology, <laughs> and so we're not going <laughs> to participate much in that. But there are others that yeah, totally embrace it. In our family, you know, most of the kids' education, uh, well, I can't say most of it, but a lot of the, the classes and such that they take happen online, uh, or they happen because they're able to find resources online. Uh, to be able to attend in person and that type of thing. So it's it's huge. Without without that, there's no way we could. Without the internet, without what we have today, we couldn't be doing what we're doing educationally for the kids. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, did I hear you say that? I think I saw you on a video recently. You were kind of giving a little blog update that one of your kids is doing piano lessons and their teachers in Mexico. Oh, it's ballet lessons, ba actually. How does that even work? <laughs> like, okay. Really quickly, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, so this is our seven-year-old, and she fell in love with ballet when we were living in San Miguel de Ende, Mexico, last year, uh, or this this year as well. And uh, the teacher really uh, loved her and, and felt that she had a lot of passion, a lot of focus, and offered to continue teaching her via Skype when we left Mexico, because we knew we were going to leave. Uh, she, the teacher had never done it before, uh, and she's a Mexican woman, and uh, but we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll help set it up, we'll, we'll figure it out, we'll, we'll make it work. And we'll give it a try because our kids have done other things. Emily took Irish dance through the internet. Um, you know, they've taken voice lessons and songwriting lessons and art lessons and a whole bunch of things online. But um, basically, our seven-year-old sets up her iPad to point down at her and just does the dancing while the teacher talks and the teacher can see her and she kind of instructs her. There's not, you know, the it's not quite the same as in person because she can't like touch her to adjust her position and that type of thing. Uh, but she's had enough training at this point to where uh, she kind of knows how to stand and the teacher can also demonstrate if necessary. So hmm. it works. That's yeah, pretty And she loves I mean, I don't think it would work with a kid who didn't really love ballet and wasn't passionate about doing it. But our daughter is just enthralled with it right now. Yeah, I guess it would be similar to like online personal training, watching somebody do squats and their exercises, I suppose. Sure, sure. So one of the things that brought me to you is, as, as I was mentioning to you in the in the pre-call, uh, I've you know I have a three-year-old and he's going to be going to school fairly soon, and I'm looking at different options when it comes to school and some of the things. And you're familiar with most of the things I mentioned. So the first thing I I started looking into right away was uh, homeschooling. I kind of researched homeschooling. I was looking into that, and then from there it led me to um, is it Montessori? Is that how you pronounce it correctly? Yep, that's right. And then there was sorry, what was the other one? You I keep forgetting it, and you keep uh, you, uh, Waldorf is the one you were. Yes. To remember. Do you know much about those two? <laughs> like just roughly what their philosophies are, or are you familiar? Like you a little more familiar with those than I am, or no? You know, I am not an expert on on either of those. Uh, actually, one of the people who's uh, 
leading our Family Adventure Academy mm -hmm. uh, that we're doing in Seattle in, in August is going to be doing a full day on that. And she is, uh, I would say, probably one of the one of the world's experts on, on all of these uh, educational aspects. But for me, I would just briefly say that um, from my understanding, the, the Montessori and Waldorf, they're very similar in that uh, they're kind of focused on the children's it's not necessarily interest-led learning, like not to the degree that unschooling is, but it's it's not um, a, it's it's not so much sitting at a desk and uh, you know looking at at textbooks all day. It's a lot more hands-on, interactive uh, things. In fact, in, in Waldorf, they also that's one of the methodologies where they kind of tend to avoid uh, technology. They don't uh, like to have a lot of you know you know computers and iPads around and such. They may use them in some situations, but. That's my brief understanding. Yeah, yeah, from what I saw, it seemed to be a lot more. There seemed to be a lot more emphasis, like you said, on arts and interaction. So, right now, you now you mentioned. So, what brought me to you? Because you mentioned unschooling. Now, I want to talk. I just ask you kind of what that is quickly, but I want to get back to. So, what brought me to you is I, then I started from homeschooling. You know, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of links, and it brought me to something called. Uh, world schooling and I was like well what the heck is world schooling and then your name popped up in one of the world schooling pages and that is kind of what you do so can you give us a brief background on uh, can you tell kind of mention what you what you do now versus what you did and how you got into it I know it's kind, that's a kind of a, a long brief story yeah I will just <laughs> first say that um there is not really any one right way to do uh, world schooling, or even to do education in general. In my opinion, uh, it really I think it's it's a family uh, matter, and it depends on the children. It depends on on their needs, and uh, on of course the family's educational philosophy and goals. But uh, just to give briefly a little bit of my background on how we kind of got into this, um, I was raised, of course, in traditional public school. Um, I had a great time, but looking back, I, I noticed that so much of my time was spent doing busy work and studying things that I had no interest in and that were completely irrelevant to, to my life at the time and even today. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I figured that was not a very efficient way to spend a childhood. And we started exploring the idea kind of like you're doing now. Well, what would it be like if we homeschooled the kids? And we met a few families who homeschooled and... Um, I'll, I'll forego all the the whole story around our around our travels uh, for now and how that started. But after we began traveling, uh, we started doing a homeschooling approach. This is when our girls were five and three years old. They had been to preschool before that. Okay. And and so by homeschool, what that meant to us was replicating school at home. So we got the books and we tried to follow the same curriculum that the public schools were using and and trying to teach that to our children. And it honestly didn't work that well, <laughs> that well for us. Yeah. We, we butted heads a bit. Uh, it wasn't fun for them. You know, we're not trained teachers. And so it, it wasn't that great of an experience. And so eventually that um, devolved, I would say, into kind of a more unschooling approach, which is now today turned much more eclectic. But the idea behind unschooling is basically what we call it is interest-led learning. That's that's kind of how we define our own family's education. Okay. So it's it's not, uh, we're going to tell you what you need to learn in order to survive in life. It's what are you interested in? What are you passionate about? And let's explore that as far as you want to take it and trust that the things that you need to know to survive that are relevant to you are going to uh, come to you when you need them. And that by teaching you how to learn, that's the one thing we do, we keep the love of learning alive. The purpose of this is to keep the love of learning alive so that it's not squashed and so that if they want to learn something, they'll have the skills to know how to do it and the passion to go after it. And and I've just seen that over and over again with our kids, just as an example. Um, our oldest is 15 now and she developed a passion for animation. And so because we have given her uh, resources, time, encouragement and support to pursue that. Uh, this last year, she met with the vice president of Frederator Studios. She got a, a tour of Disney Animation Studios. She went to the CTNX Animation Expo conference. Mm -hmm. And she also animated um, uh, 6,000 hand-drawn frames and released her own uh, animated music video to a song that she wrote, recorded, and produced. Wow. Uh, and then she did another animation that was hand-drawn to another song that she did a cover of. Anyway, she's super passionate about that. And that's just one of her many, many interests. But um, 
it's this is the kind of thing that I think would have been difficult to experience or to be able to support her and and she did that all on her own. We didn't really like teach her any of that. She found tools online. She found this conference online. She said, "Hey, Dad, I want to go to this," and she found other things uh, on her own because she has a passion for it and she's driven um, to to do that. And it's just exciting to see what where she's taking it. Wow, that is really interesting. Yeah, she wouldn't have time to do that if she was in regular school. <laughs> yeah, typically not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, so then you guys started. Now, when you travel around here, I guess a lot of people just think, you know, when people think of traveling, they're just thinking like hotels and resorts. But that's that's not kind of what you're all about, is it? So how do, how does it no, work not. with you guys when you travel around with the kids? Like, do you go right? Do you get right into the cultures? Like, how do? You know, it depends on where we're at and what what the purpose of the, the the travel is at that stage in our lives because we go through a lot of cycles uh typically what we do is what we call slow travel where we will go and plant ourselves in a place for several months or years even and use that as a home base uh we will live there we will interact with the locals with the expat community with the homeschooling community we'll go to classes we'll we'll work and just live regular lives but we'll do it in a new exciting location where it's an opportunity for us to learn more about a new culture, learn a new language, and um, kind of expand our own horizons about many things. And then because it's a foreign country, typically uh, we're on a tourist visa or a social visa and we have to leave regularly. So we use that as an opportunity to explore other countries, uh, usually on shorter shorter period basis. Like, like we're going India to India for, a couple yep, weeks. for two and a half weeks. So that's more, we're going to be more tourists <laughs> in that one. We're going to stay in hotels. Well, and a homestay, we'll be doing a, a few few different types of accommodations. But um, yeah, a little bit more fast paced. We'll be, and, and kind of off work as well. I'm, I'm not going to be doing any work on that trip and we're just going to be connecting as a family. So that's more of the typical vacation uh, type trip. But hmm. um, it in, our lifestyle kind of incorporates both of those. Now, do, uh, you had said languages. Do, they, do your kids speak uh, any other languages besides English? Are they learning any kind of on a regular basis, or do they just kind of pick up words from the different countries they go to? You said you were in Indonesia a lot. Have they learned some Bahasa? Or... Yeah, so um, our oldest speaks Spanish pretty well. She, uh, we spent a lot of time in, in Mexico, in Costa Rica, in Spain, um, and she speaks that quite well, moderately. Uh, not, I wouldn't say fluently, but she's quite good. Um, yeah. Are there, she's also learning Chinese and Japanese just for fun. Our middle daughter is learning Swedish for fun because her best friend is from Sweden. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we have picked up a little bit of Indonesian. Uh, we took classes years ago, but here in, in Ubud, honestly, everybody speaks English. Yeah. And so it's hard to be motivated to, to actually use it. Um, so we, we speak a little bit of, of Bahasa, but not uh, not that much. Yeah, Ubud is a very uh, expatty yoga uh, smoothie area of it is it is <laughs> food, capital of the world <laughs> yeah no yeah. My, my friend who's actually she's uh she's from uh, indonesia she actually she's like i can't stand bali anymore she's like it's one of these places where if <laughs> people if you eat something before you get a picture of it people yell at you because they didn't have time to post it on instagram so she's like That's it's funny. driving me nuts there <laughs> um now can we get up like you had mentioned so you well you weren't always uh, your family wasn't always travelers right you did have a regular nine to five at one point correct i did back in 2008 so we started traveling 2009 that's when we sold the house and and left everything behind sold everything and and started traveling before that i was working uh as a programmer full-time programmer and doing a teaching piano lessons on the side um for a while going going to college as well in in, for programming Mm -hmm. I did, did that for a number of years before this adventure kicked off when we just, well, first of all, I, I developed a, an app, uh, kind of a website to help me keep track of my piano students. It's called yeah. Music Teacher's Helper. And that eventually grew to the point where I realized it could support us mm-hmm. and that we could do it from anywhere. And so uh, also with that understanding, realizing that we just kind of felt like we were stagnating, um, living in the same place, doing the same things every day working in someone else's business and uh, just feeling like we needed more stimulation and uh, different surroundings, different people. We, we wanted to grow more. And we felt like travel, because we had traveled a little bit uh, on, on vacations and such, but we, we knew that it would be an opportunity for us to see the world from a different perspective mm-hmm. and to give ourselves a chance to, to grow and to kind of even reinvent ourselves is, is what I've 
come to really appreciate about travel. Every new place I go, it's a chance to kind of look again at, at who I am and what I've learned and who I want to be and uh, just kind of use it for, for a tool for self-improvement. So was Costa Rica one of the first places you went then, I think I read? Yeah, it was. It's, uh, Panama was the very first we went to as a family. That was just for six weeks to kind of test the waters to see what it would be like to spend 24-7 together um, and and to, to do this. And we loved it and mm-hmm. found ourselves bonded so much more than we ever had uh, before. And it just we just wanted to keep that. So that then we sold everything and then moved to Costa Rica. And we were there for about a year and a half as our home base oh, okay. uh, from which we traveled to a lot of Central and South America. Yeah, I know. It's one place I haven't been yet is South America. Um, now, when you, obviously, when you decided, you know, you're just going to sell everything, pull out and take the kids traveling, was there, you know, friends and family? Was there like a lot of pushback? Was there a lot of people who had problems with that? <laughs> there, <laughs> there were people who were concerned, yes. Uh, you know, we, we had the whole spectrum, you know. We had the people who thought we were a little bit crazy and they worried about our kids getting abducted by, you know... People and just getting getting sick and diseases on, yeah, on the I've, dirt floors we'd be sleeping those, on, and shows, yeah. <laughs> all of that. Yeah. Uh, to people who were like thrilled and excited for us, or who wanted to do it too, and, and so it was. We had the whole whole range, as tends to be the case when you choose something that's a little bit uh, outside of cultural norms and kind of follow your heart a little bit. Uh, it tends to you tend to see the whole uh, spectrum of responses from other people. Yeah, no, for sure. Now. When you so you had said at the beginning, so when you were living in Costa Rica, is that or in Panama, was that around the time you were trying to teach the kids like just through the traditional sort of books, like the traditional math <laughs> yeah. and geography and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that was in Costa Rica, yes. Okay. And then you decided after South America, where did you guys go? So um after after that part of the world we felt like we were well, so we actually got pregnant with our third daughter. Um, when we were traveling in Peru and uh, ended up giving birth to her in Costa Rica. So we were actually ready to leave Costa Rica after about six to 12 months, mm-hmm. but we stayed for 18 months uh, in order to give birth to Asia there. That's our daughter's name. And Asia is where we ended up going next. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess it was fortuitous. Um, yes. Now, were, were there any, uh, what is it, uh, ayahuasca adventures in Peru? Uh, no, actually, I did, did not try ayahuasca in Peru. Uh, that came later in Spain, actually. Um, okay. Yeah. Very nice. Now, um, one of the things you did, so so you started off really just kind of um, figuring it out, like you said. You went to the traditional school, so you said, oh, I'll just get some books and teach them the regular stuff. That didn't really work out because, like you said, you know, you weren't teachers. You weren't really trained teachers, so following textbooks I could see not working. And then that led you more to the unschooling route. Um, mm-hmm. but then you, it seemed like you started to take it very seriously because going through your website, you have a number of websites and a number of businesses aimed at helping other families start to discover, um, I guess just the options that are out there for traveling schooling. Was that, would that be a correct thing to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that all came, it's kind of a recent development, really, after this uh, Music Teacher's Helper business took off. And it, it really, it became basically a four-hour workweek business for me. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of free time and realized that I wanted to do something more than just just travel, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wanted to create something that was um, really a, a gift from me, something that only I could could offer and something that would, would make a big difference. And I wanted to feel like I, w- I was contributing. I wasn't really sure what that would be, but as we um, kind of came back to the Western world a couple of years ago, uh, we spent some time in Victoria, Canada, which okay. we love, um, and just uh, just met so many people who were inspired by the journey we'd taken and wanted to travel, uh, wanted, wanted to experience more of that type of thing with their families and wanted support and encouragement for that. And I realized that, um, you know, we had been speaking at a lot of conferences and attending a lot of conferences that year. And and someone, uh, we were just mentioned that to somebody and said, oh, are these family travel conferences? And my wife look, and I look at each other and like, family travel conference, that's a brilliant idea. Let's make one idea. of those. <laughs> and so then we, we launched the Family Adventures Summit, which uh, is an annual event held in a different spot around the world every year. And it brings together now 400 people who are just intent on living with purpose and adventure in their lives. 
uh, incorporating travel into their lifestyle in some form. Some people, <laughs> there are a couple of families who only travel. The only time they travel during the year is to go to Family Adventure Summit. Um, okay. <laughs> other, other people are completely nomadic. They have no home and they just travel from place to place. And we have everything in between. Uh, so it's a very open environment. There's not, again, one right way to uh, to travel or to live. And so we're, we're just inclusive and, and wanting to support families in living the journey that feels right to them. So that's the Family Adventure Summit. So uh, if yep. I have my notes here, so that's a four-day event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's 400 people, you said, come to that. And it's a, this is a family event, though, you said. So people can, yeah, come, like, fit, like parents come with the kids and everything, right? Absolutely, yeah. We've got a, a really um, full children's program where... Uh, we really support the kids in learning the things they're passionate about. So we've got, like last year, we had a full theater program, a sports program, arts program, um, a whole, whole bunch of different things. And, and, the, and we, of course, all around the culture of the place we're visiting. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then we bring in performers and do different family activities. And it's, a, it's a really fun event. Great, great energy, great people. And uh, it's, it's the highlight of my year, really. So, so where was that one last year? Last year it was in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. We did it over Day of the Dead, so we got oh, to bring in a lot of the, that's November a lot of 1st, the aspects isn't it? of October thirty first. Yeah, November first. Yeah, that's right. November first, yeah. second. Yeah. Huh, that's pretty cool. And then and this year it's going to be where Bali. This year it will be in Ubud in Bali, October first or well, October second uh, through sixth. Is that the one that you had said yeah. Pemberton was your first one, or is that a different uh, event? Pen- Penticton in Penticton. British Columbia, near near Oliver. Um, yeah, near south of Kelowna, uh, that- is. That was our first year. We had 200 people there. We had 400 people last year. Uh, next year, we're, we're capping it at 400 just because of the venue and because we want to keep it a fairly intimate experience. But already, we're two-thirds sold out, and we're 10 months away. So Wow, that's um, excellent. Yeah, it's how, exciting. Now, how do people find out about this sort of? Like, where, where, are you, where are you finding people find out about it? Like, are they meeting you at these conferences, or is it just word of mouth? Like, how are people finding It's a you? lot of word of mouth. Uh, there are also a lot of Facebook groups out there for world schooling and homeschooling in different parts of the world. Uh, and just, yeah, people people spread the word because it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. been a great event. I guess we're excited about it, yeah. Now, so that's the Family Adventure Summit. But then you also have your the next thing you did, would that be the Family Adventure Academy? Yeah, that's that's a new one that we just that we're starting this year. That that'll be in August, mid-August in Seattle, and this is for parents. This is just a three-day boot camp. So this is parents parents only. Leave the kids at home. That's right, and it's over a weekend. Just a a way to it's for parents who want to take their kids on a long-term family travel adventure. So it's tuning into why they want to do it. It's it's learning all the things. We're we're having three different uh, people uh, come and present. Um, who are experts in different aspects. Jen Miller, who I mentioned, the educational uh, expert. We have uh, the Capanet family. They've been traveling for the past six years on a $25,000 budget to over 40 countries with their two kids. Wow. Uh, they're going to be talking about the, the travel logistics and, and, and uh, budgeting of travel, uh, how to do it affordably, and the purpose and why behind it. I'm going to be covering the financial end and how to fund your travel adventure. And, uh, you know, whether it's working from a a remote job or starting a business or whatever, and just the different ways that you can, you can travel and save money doing it. So that is a, is a kind of intense three day boot camp. So that's where parents come expecting to work, but leaving hopefully with all their questions answered and feeling totally prepared to set out on this type of adventure, if they determine it's what they really want to do. And now that's, so, and the, so the goal of that one is to teach them everything they know to be able to set off for, like when you say long-term, are you talking six months, one year, like what, what's long-term? Well, it's, that, that's up to the people who are, okay. who are the, who are, who are there. But I would say more than just your typical two week vacation, because most people know enough to plan for one of those. And that's kind of what people are already doing. So something more than that. Okay. Gotcha. And then you have the at home family, uh, the, the at home in the world family retreat. Yes. And that's a so, two week one. It looks like two weeks. These, this is really, it's about feeling at home wherever you are in the world. That's why we called it at home in the world. And this is, as you mentioned, two weeks. It's it's also a much more intimate retreat. There are only ten families who wow, okay. who come to this. We limit it to ten families, and so it's uh, it's a much more intimate, much more deep uh, experience where we. It, it's also all inclusive, so it includes the accommodations and the food and the excursions and and all of the the learning program that we do that's surrounding uh, the topic of what does home mean to you and what does family mean to you and what kind of uh, a family life do you want to create with your children. And, and we're just there 
all together for these two weeks, really supporting you in, uh, in, in your family and creating this type of experience. And, um, we're also, there's also, um, we're leading this with the Kapani family, who we've mentioned earlier, and also with Yelena Popovich, who's one of the world's leading children's mindfulness educators. So the children's program here uh, is actually integrated with the adult learning program. So the kids will be learning something and the adults will be learning something, but it's similar, but taught in a different way. So that when we come together for the family activities, uh, everyone is still on the same page. And uh, it's it's really um, a connecting and and bonding experience, not just for a family, but also with the other families that are there, where you really feel like you have a support and a community to to rely on as you go out into your into your family life. Wow! So that's that's ten families over two weeks. And yeah. where is that one now? You guys host that in a couple places, right? Yeah, that's twice. We're doing that one twice this year in 2019. Uh, the first time is in is in Ubud again. Uh, mm-hmm. from February 25th to March 10th. And then the second one will be in Transylvania, Romania from <laughs> July 1st to the 14th. That just when it, I just, it's so funny because, you know, one say, you, you know, and I, I know Transylvania <laughs> is not like this, but, you know, one, you picture yeah. Bali, you picture temples and beaches, and the other one, you picture Dracula, dark and dreary. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody, everybody <laughs> just thinks of like, you know, Dracula and Vlad the Impaler when you think of Transylvania. What, so totally. why, why, why Transylvania of all places? Yeah, you know, I, I, that was my first impression too. And I, when I heard of it, I'm like, why would we want to do it in Transylvania where there's this kind of stigma? But actually the, the wife in the Kapanee family, she was born there. And she, she speaks the language, she knows the culture inside and out and uh, has many connections there. And so I, when we went and did it last year, I was blown away. Of course, like you said, it's nothing like that. It's this beautiful, beautiful countryside and this rich Hungarian culture that is probably more rich of a Hungarian culture than Hungary because it's so much preserved its roots. And going there to explore that and experience that and, and look how, uh, see how they uh, celebrate a home and how they, um, for example, we're doing the, uh, the retreat over the 1000 CK Girls Festival, which uh, thousands of kids and, and adults, families from around miles and miles around come in their traditional dress in horse-drawn carts and, and they come to this beautiful hillside and they do dancing and celebrate with, with different food. And it's so, uh, it's just such a great environment, it's such a beautiful, like, I just felt so, uh, so at peace there. It's just really a peaceful environment. Totally, totally different than the Dracula totally, thing. Totally which I realized just fiction anyway. Now, so, have you been to Vlad the Impaler's castle though? Like, does he have did one there? Go to, yeah. We did go to the castle. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a cool castle. Uh, is it built on but, a cliff? Is it that one? Is it built on a cliff? Uh, it, it's built on like rocks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There are actually a few castles that they that people are saying are kind of attributed to him or that he kind of went to or owned or whatever. But yeah, there it's the one that's kind of the main one. It's it's built like it looks like it's on a cliff, but yeah, it's on these but, big rocks. But anyway, yeah. Transylvania is definitely not the dark, dreary, gringy. <laughs> thing that we come absolutely to think of. <laughs> not. absolutely not <laughs> well okay now another thing i saw you have um you have an online program don't you called the i thought i thought it was the dreams reality course but it's actually called the dream achievement blueprint program is that's right what what is that all about yeah so this is a course that i created really to share my processes and the tools and the techniques and and the mindset that um that I use in order to achieve my dreams. So all of these projects that I've created, I realize I, I have a system that I go through. I, I have a lot of processes that I take people that, that I take myself through, and that I realize a lot of people would benefit from. So I decided to share that in the form of an online course, mm-hmm. and uh, I've created and made made really nice. I branded all my spreadsheets and made everything look really nice and <laughs> made it easier to use for 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 people. And uh, so it it really it goes through three main areas. So first is clarity, really being clear and this is a perfect time of year to to really look into this because it's the new year i love this this type time of year to just kind of wipe the slate clean and look again at what is it that i want to create in the world this year and looking ahead at the end of the year like how do i want to look back at the end of 2019 and and what do i want to be grateful for how do i want to be feeling really getting clear on that and then creating um uh, a plan and learning the well for me i this is the stuff that i do uh Really, really using specific tools to keep me uh, productive, 
and to make sure that I actually follow through with the plans that I set. Because so many people set, and I have done this too, set you know, New Year's resolutions, and then after a few days or a few weeks, they just kind of fizzle out. Yeah, well, they don't put but the systems in place. Yeah, yeah, and that, that typically doesn't happen to me when I use this process. So um, that's one of the reasons that I shared it. That's, that's all the course is. And then it's also about really being, uh, being mindful and uh, enjoying the process along the way. So it's not just, I'm just going to bullheaded accomplish my goals, and then, yeah, and then, and then what? And then I got to set a new goal and just do that, uh, you know, making myself miserable along the way. It's really about really enjoying the process. My business card, my little social card says enjoying life now, because I think that's what it's about, right? If we're not enjoying the process of life, if we're not enjoying the journey. Exactly. Way too many people are focused on the destination and not the journey. And that's, I think, because you and I both travel a lot. We've learned to enjoy the, the, the journey quite a bit, I think. Absolutely. And I, I grew up being very future focused. So for me, it was a big shift to say, I'm going to enjoy the journey now. Um, and I, I took some time to be very present and kind of, you know, in Bali doing a lot of the retreats. You said you're you're doing a, or you have done meditation retreats and such in India. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that type of thing really puts you in a totally different mental space, doesn't it? Oh, a huge big time. Yeah. And, yeah. and so just to be able to incorporate that into, so it's, it's not just, just, I mean, you can't live at a meditation retreat no. in the world. I mean, some people can, but, uh, it's not, I, I think having, being able to incorporate both, right. That type of presence and enjoyment while also having a focus on what you do want to achieve and being able to, to what I call, uh, infuse your being into your doing so that it can become a fulfilling and enjoyable productive experience. Well, exactly. I think it's what, you know, when I was at the meditation, like you said, it's not a place I want to live, um, but it definitely gives me tools that I can take with me, you know, and keep with me as I go. So I think that's really important. Now, um, what kind of stuff do you guys do in Bali? Have you, um, do you visit the temples there? Have you tried any of the, have you tried any of the, uh, any of the religious ceremonies and stuff like that there? Do you guys partake in sort of the traditional cultures over there or? Yeah, you know, a lot we of have. expats just go there and do CrossFit yoga and you know drink smoothies. But I'm feeling you guys are different. <laughs> yeah, no, we we've, we've definitely participated in several of the ceremonies. Um, yeah, in fact, just this week there's Galungan. We we didn't do much with Galungan this year. We went out and watched the the parade that they were doing, the procession of the of the Barong and the celebration of good over evil. Um, but uh, yeah, we've we've done we've visited many many of the temples around. We've we participated in. Uh, several of the ceremonies. We've been to the water temple several times, uh, you know. And we we also we have a staff here at our house in Bali, and they often invite us to some of their different cultural activities, whether it's a wedding or a, or a, you know different things. So um, yes, gotcha. <laughs> we do participate in the culture. Uh, but you know, in in addition, we also just live our lives here too. So it's not uh, we're not as into it as the locals are by any means. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, I haven't heard you mention Thailand at all. Have you guys ever thought of doing any? Because Thailand, you know, Thailand, it, like Bali's kind of taken over now a little bit. But Thailand for the longest time was like, you know, your first taste of Asia was always Thailand. It was kind of like the warm up mm-hmm. country. Have you done anything in Thailand or thought of doing anything in Thailand? Or is that on your radar? Yeah, we've, yeah? we've spent a few, we spent a couple months there. Uh, loved Chiang Mai. Um Especially, it was beautiful, beautiful. We haven't been down to the to the beaches yet, actually, though. Oh, okay. uh, but we we spent time in Bangkok and Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai. Uh, I've heard Pai is lovely. Haven't been up there. Um, I felt, for me personally, it was uh, like the center of the city around Chiang Mai was was the most you know easiest place to to walk around and such. But there was so much smog from the motorbikes and such. It was yeah. it was that was the tough part for me. Um, and also just the thing that I'm loving about Bali right now, and you're asking what else we're doing here, is really the opportunities for the kids because there are so many. Uh, there's tons of different types of alternative schools here, but also homeschool groups, classes. I mean, the kids have been in Aikido. They've been in aerial silks. They've done permaculture classes. They've done uh, – They, in fact, recently just it just ended, but they were part of a, a small homeschool group where they would go and, and learn a little bit of math little bit of uh, uh, English and uh, philosophy. There were d- different things they were learning in that. Uh, and now the kids are actually looking to start their own school in January wow. uh, with just a group of their friends because the teacher who is doing that is now leaving. Okay. Uh, and so they'll be, they'll be getting together a few times a week to study different subjects. 
uh, as well as on reference online resources and such. So um, there's just so much here for the kids. So that's that's one of the things that we that we love about Ubud. Your kids sound so much different than normal kids who are just playing on iPads and, and PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they do they do spend a lot of time on the computer, but uh, it's and and some of that's games. You know, like our, our middle daughter, she loves. Uh, video. Well, actually, both our daughters love video editing. Our oldest has her own video editing business, actually called Crystal Cut Studios. She's mm-hmm. got several clients, return clients that, she, that love her. But our our middle daughter, um, she's thirteen. She likes making like more fun stuff. So she she likes this game on uh, on the internet called Animal Jam. It's like a National Geographic game. Mm-hmm. And she has a YouTube channel called Gymnastics. She's got like a thousand subscribers now, but wow. she basically makes these intro videos for lovers of that game. And, uh, <laughs> and then she like trades those uh, intros for like items in the game and stuff like that. And now she's getting into 3D animation. We just got an educational license for this program called uh, Cinema 4D. It's a professional 3D animation software, and she's making all sorts of cool worlds with it and, and stuff. So, they spend a lot of time on the computer, but I, and a lot of it is is gaming. It just seems like they're playing or they're drawing or they're whatever. But I feel like it's it's they're developing skills through it that I think are really going to be valuable to them as they grow. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, the definite the future is in is in you know digital media. So as long as they're doing stuff that's you know not shoot playing just you know shooter games. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like right, they're doing right. something more constructive than that. <laughs> yeah, they're not playing games. <laughs> now, what about the people that say, "But you know, but you know, you have to put your kids in regular school because they have to go to university." One of my big things, and I'm really trying to find somebody to interview. Uh, my pers- one of my personal views is, I think in the next ten years, university is going to be dead. I think uh, universities had its day. Um, but what about the, cause you're from the States now in Canada, the university yep. is not such a big deal. I mean, people talk about it, but you know, in the States it's like college, college, college is like the all yep. and end all. Like, what, what's your thoughts on the whole university? You have to go to university to be successful stuff. Um, I feel like university was a waste of time for me. Um, <laughs> I went to, to learn programming mm-hmm. and I feel like most of what I learned was just the most basic outdated stuff that I, I learned so much more just studying on my own programming mm-hmm. my own app. Yep. Uh, before I even went to college. So uh, I agree with you. And then I started my own business, you know, which I, I suppose you could say, you know, it's good for the contacts, it's good for the networking. Uh, now, college, I think, is very valuable if, in certain industries. If you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor, you still exactly. need to go if you and go, get a if degree. you want to go for PhDs. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I think in many fields, it has become quite irrelevant. And many companies don't even look at college credentials anymore. Um, it's it's a sign that you're willing to jump through hoops, which is great if that's the kind of company you want to work for that values people who can jump through hoops. Yeah, I would um, say your kids being able to speak, you know, two or three languages with Mandarin or was it Chinese? Is it Mandarin or uh, or Cantonese? You said she's Chinese. learning Mandarin. She's learning yeah, Mandarin. I would say that's probably going to be much more valuable in the future than a degree in philosophy. <laughs> sure, sure. And and the thing is though, it's like if she's if you're interested in philosophy, you can study and learn so much about that without going to university and paying the tens of thousands of dollars to do that. But there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you really want to do and, and you love that educational process. Um, I just don't think it's necessary for a career in most cases. Now, our oldest daughter, she's actually looking into get, getting into college. Uh, one of her other passions is the environment, and uh, she's really looking into environmental sciences. She wants to make a difference for climate change uh, in a big way and isn't sure quite how to do that. So she's exploring the option. She considered art school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's kind of debating between whether she wants to do that or environmental sciences. And she doesn't know if she'll go to college. She may. If she wants to, uh, as a homeschooler, it's not really that difficult. You can either take a test, take an ACT test, get placement, uh, and to study and prep for the ACT test, you know, give yourself a few months, a few years to whatever, uh, brush up, take some test, sample tests. Uh, or you can do it an even easier way would be, for example, to do an online university. I think it's Oregon State University as an example. You can, as when you're 16, you can start taking classes. Wow. Okay. Uh, and with without any kind of qualifications. And if your grades are good in those classes, then you can simply use those to uh, transfer to a community college or another university, and just. Get in that way. <laughs> See, so there, there's a lot of different options. Yeah, and they get, or she waits till she's 25, gets into a mature student like I did. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd see. I like that a lot of people don't know that. They just assume you have to, you know, go to school, go to high school, you know, get high grades and, you know, take the advanced. Course. I know how it works now. When I was in school, you could either pick from general or advanced courses. If you want to go to university, I had to pick advanced. If you want to go to college, you took general. Um, but you were saying that they there's a, just a, what was it, an ACET test or something? ACT. Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of universities in the States use that one. Okay, it's very interesting. So there's a few different ways to get around it. Because I was going to ask, how does that working with the the grade? Now, how does it work in the states? Like, um, you know how you you know you a kid has to legally be in school until they're 16 years old. How does the paperwork work for that? Like, how do you? Now, that's you got... not actually true in in oh. many states. For example, okay. uh, we uh, well in in some states they're just they you just have to sign an affidavit with the school. That's all we had to do, and they said. Okay, you're you're free to homeschool, or you're free to do it however you want. When we were in uh, Costa Rica the next year, uh, I realized that had expired. We had to renew it every year. So I called and said, "Hey, we're out of the country. Um, do we still need to sign this paper?" And said, "Oh no, no, you're out of the country. Don't worry about it." Uh, so we were free. Oh, um, okay. In other states, uh, you do have to sub- fulfill certain requirements, or you have to keep track of what your kids are learning. Um, it just it varies from state to state, but there's not a legal requirement to be in school. Uh, in many of the states. Gotcha. And you're originally from Utah, is that correct? That's right. Okay, good old mountain Utah. Lots of snowboarding over there. I've got a friend that lives there right now. She just moved. She was living in Thailand. She actually just moved back to Utah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you a question now, because you had mentioned before, I want to talk a little bit about the financials of world, uh, like traveling kind of like you do. Because uh-huh. you had mentioned, you know, you kind of designed an app that started to be able to support you because one of the things you hear a lot is that you know, something like this, you know, is only for rich people. Mm-hmm. What's your, and like, like with the people that are coming to your events, you said there's all different kinds, but you yeah. know, is it pretty much like very high end people that are coming? Is it regular people with like regular jobs and are making 30,000 a year? Or is this more of a, is this more of a, a thing that, you know, only the affluent can really think about doing? The nice thing about our event is that it is we we get the whole spectrum. So um, there are, as I mentioned, like the the Capney family, they've been traveling on twenty five thousand a year for the past six years with their with their two teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, so and there are people who are making even less than that. Uh, they don't travel quite as uh, as much as the Capneys do. Um, and there are also people who are making you know upwards of ten thousand dollars a year. We've we've done surveys at the Family Adventure Summit. In fact, you can download our, the survey results for free if you go to familyadventuresummit.com. Okay. Uh, should be a, a link for that. Um, or we, I can send it to you and put it in the show notes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it, it turns out that about uh, just, uh, just under 50% of everyone who filled out a survey who travels long-term like this, which we defined in that as uh, at least three months uh, okay. per year travel, yeah. um, they work regular nine-to-five jobs or regular jobs, we should say, work for somebody else, but they do it online. Okay. Uh, so that's just under 50%. Um, another high percentage is they have a business of some kind, whether it's an online business or even a, an offline business, but it's managed and, and run uh, remotely. A lot of people do real estate investing. They supplement their income through that. Uh, or they have like an online service, like they're a coach or a teacher or um you know, they do. So. And, then, and then there are also people who are on either retirement benefits or military benefits or they get like, a, you know, government help or help from a, an ex-spouse or something like that. So there are various um, various ways that people are funding their travels, but those are some of the main ones. OK. Now, are there. Um, so it sounds like a lot of them are at least, I guess, what we'll call semi tech savvy. They're not people who are uh, kind of driving to their regular work every day. Um, yeah, I would say, mo- I mean, most of them would know how to use the internet. <laughs> uh, or, at least, or at least one person in the family does. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, now are there ones like, let's say a regular family who's, you know, who, the, 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 you know, they're working, the dad drives to the office every day and he does his thing. Is there, are there options for them? Like when the kids have like the two months of school break to go travel and are there like yeah. summer programs and stuff too? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of families do it that way. They'll, they'll, they'll. In fact, um, there's a family. I'll give you an example. They live, they live in in BC. Uh, the dad is a contractor. That's a very much uh, in person. You have to be there to do the physical work kind of job, right? Yeah. Uh, so he works for several months out of the year, usually in the summer, and then their family travels for the winter. 
Okay. And so he'll just save up. Um, they live very frugally during the during that time of year, and then they and then they travel where they're to places where their money goes so much farther. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, for somebody who. Because it, like you had said, you know, there's a lot of websites and Facebook, and even when I started looking into it, I was kind of overwhelmed, and I was like, "Well, I don't even know where to start to research this sort of stuff." Somebody who wants to start researching, say, you know, just alternatives to schooling or homeschooling, or where do you think like a normal person who's just maybe listening to this right now, going, "Geez, I didn't know any of this actually existed. I just thought it was, you know, mm -hmm. like the eight thirty bell rings." What would you suggest? Mm -hmm. they, where would you think they should start? That's a good question. Um, I, I would actually refer you to Jennifer Miller. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, she's actually working on a website right now. in my understanding that is supposed to address that very thing. Okay. Um, so I, in fact, she would be an awesome person for you to interview if you, if you're wanting to explore the educational side of this even more fully. Yeah. I'll talk to um, you some more about that after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I can definitely put you in touch, but, um, I, for, and I would also recommend, yeah, coming to the events, but if you just want to research online, yeah, what is a good site that just kind of, that I don't know of a good site right now that really explains all of that comprehensively. You no, know, I guess what I did when I started looking, I just kind of Googled, you know, homeschool Vancouver and it put me in touch yeah. with some Facebook pages and stuff. Um, and I guess I guess it's just, uh, it probably is just one of the best ways to go. I guess you could start with, uh, I mean, I guess if I was, you know, if I was looking at it, I'd probably maybe drive down to the Montessori or Waldorf school just to see what they say, just to get to start maybe, and maybe reaching out to one of these homeschooling pages on Facebook. Yeah, like I mean, I, yeah, I, I was assuming you were talking about kind of getting an overview of all the different homeschool methodologies and what? such like that. Yeah. yeah, if you're if you're wanting to start out like this, yeah, I mean, get on get online to the Facebook groups, meet other families who are doing it, ask your questions. Um, there's so many resources out there online, um, but you right now there's not really a central place that I know of uh, that kind of combines it all. But again, Jen's working on one of those. Yeah, no, I'll get her information. Well, let's go over your websites quick so people know where to get a hold okay. of you because you are a plethora of information when it comes to families who want to travel and learn the world. So let's start with some of your websites. Where should we start? Uh, PierceOnEarth.com is probably a good one. This is this is our family travel blog that we started back in 2009. P-E-A-R-C-E-OnEarth.com. Last name is Pierce, so mm -hmm. uh, kind of a play on words. So and that is PierceOnEarth.com. And what's that one about? Yes, that is... It started out as just a family travel blog. So we have written about most of the places we've traveled over the past nine years to 40, almost 10 years now, to over 40 countries, uh, a lot of them with, with videos, a lot of them with multiple things, explanations about them, what we've learned. And then it kind of got into uh, the struggles we were having, a little bit of our, our uh, spiritual crisis uh, journeys and different uh, relationship things we were going through. I, I kind of become very vulnerable okay. <laughs> on the blog and talking about a lot of different things. Also about entrepreneurship and starting a, a business. And I talk about that journey there as well as sharing my music and different things. So it's kind of a, a hodgepodge of, of our family life. Okay. So if you, if you want to kind of experience that, PierceOnEarth.com is a good place to do it. There are also links there to our other projects um, like Family Adventure Summit, Family Adventure Academy, At Home in the World Family Retreats, The Dream Achievement Blueprint. My wife's also a, a high-performance coach. Uh, that link's on there. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, let's go over some of the dates again, just so people understand. So let me get, so the Family Adventure Summit, that just yes. to remind everybody, that's the one that's four days long. That's the family event, 400 people. That is October the 2nd to that's October right. the 6th of 2019. And that one is where again? In Ubud, Bali, Indonesia. That is in Ubud, Bali, Indonesia. Yes. Okay. Then you and have... I'm Sorry, go on. Yeah, quite sure we will sell out. So if you're interested in doing that, I recommend getting tickets sooner than later. Yeah, and that's uh, what, what's the website? Is that just the Pierce on Earth um, one again? Or? Uh, that's familyadventuresummit.com. Okay. And then you have the Family Adventure Academy. And you said that is in August. And that's in Seattle, like actually Seattle, Washington. So only two hours from here. That's right. Yeah. Um, that is August. What are the exact dates? I can pull it up. But it's familyadventureacademy.com mm -hmm. is the website you would go to uh, for that one. Okay, and that's just to remind everybody again, that's the three-day boot camp for parents only. That's where they can come and they can learn the hows, the whys, and all, pretty much all the little details they need about doing um, longer-term family uh, travel. 
Yes, that's August 16th through the 18th. Okay, so August 16th through 18th. You never know, maybe I'll drive down there and meet you in person. It's only two hours. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. I'm pretty sure I'll be around here at that time. Yeah, if you're that close, I'd be kind of lame not to come down there and visit. (laughs) Uh, You're flying all the way from Bali. I could probably drive the two hours from me. And then the other one, the At Home in the World Family Retreat. That's two weeks long. Yes. That was in Bali again, did you say? Bali and Transylvania. That's the one that's yes. in Bali and Transylvania. So yep. what are the what are, families. what are the dates of those ones? So the Bali retreat is February 25th to March 10th. Uh, that's over, the, this is a really cool time of year to be there too. It's over there, uh, what's the festival that's called Nyepi, mm-hmm. uh, where they ha- they parade these uh, paper mache monsters that they've they work on for months and they're so cool. They're giant monsters. They parade them around the streets on these bamboo poles, uh, bamboo platforms, and and they do cool music and chanting with them. And then they burn them on the at midnight. And the next day is a complete day of silence. Wow. Um, because the evil spirits supposedly fly over the island on that day, and when they see nobody there, because no one's going outside, that airport even shuts down. Everything's closed. Wow. Um, and around. they see nobody there, so the evil spirits pass on, and they get to live another year in peace. Okay. So it's a, it's a really cool uh, Balinese festival, really interesting time to be there. So the only people that will be out on that one will be the drunk Australians in South Kuta. Kuta. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Transylvania is when? Uh, that is July 1st through 14th. Okay, so it's July 1st to 14th, and that's in Transylvania. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, Dream Achievement Blueprint program, that is through which website? That was your... Uh, dreamachievementblueprint.com. Oh, nice and easy. Excellent. Yep. Um, let me ask one more thing going out. What would you say if there was one thing you could say to parents um, about you know, traveling the world, the opportunity to travel the world, or just, you know, what would you say to somebody if, you know, if they were saying, hey, what do you, you know, tell me... Why should I travel the world? What, 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 what's so great about it? Well, I would say if it's something that you're feeling called to and something that interests you, uh, there is so much value to be gained from it. And I think for many people, it's, it's an obvious benefit. Um, when you surround yourself by people who are different than you, who think differently than you, who look differently than you, who live completely different lives, and you're able to interact with them, and learn from each other, um, and c- keeping an open mind, right? It can be transformational. It, it's what, it's for me, uh, what really taught me that, you know, because I, I grew up in a very rigid mindset. I thought there was a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, and people who were different than me were wrong, and pointing my finger outside of, of my little bubble, um, <laughs> you know, I felt <laughs> yeah. I was, <laughs> that's, that's how I was. Um, but traveling really opened uh, opened me up in that way and helped me to see that there are so many amazing, good and wonderful people all over the world who do things and think things very, very different from me and that that's okay because we all live and survive and thrive in our own stories and our own ways of being and it's interesting to uh, to experience that. One of the joys of life is being able to uh, appreciate the diversity that exists here. And so uh, for me, that that personally, that's, that's one of the benefits I have taken away. I would also say for the kids, just the the experiences and the mind expansion that it's given them to to experience so many different countries and cultures and places. They they're not limited in in their thinking and in their beliefs. They they have they they often very very often see the big picture uh, where I at their age would have had a very narrow mind about the world. So. Oh yeah, I know for sure. I mean, I just pretty much until I was almost 30, I was just in my old hometown of Burlington my whole time. So mm-hmm. <laughs> traveling <laughs> the best thing I did. <laughs> Perfect. Well, anyways, uh, Brian, I'd love to thank you for coming on the show. I think this was awesome. I think we got tons of information and definitely lots of great links for people to go check out. Is there anything I'm missing at all that you want to add before we go? Hmm, I don't think so. I just, I just want to give, you know, another piece of encouragement that if this is something that you want to do, there is most likely a way that you can do it. You know, you're, a lot of people say, oh, that sounds amazing. I'd love to do that, but I've got a mortgage or my kids are in school or I've got this problem or this health issue or this parent issue or whatever. There are families doing this in pretty much every conceivable uh, <laughs> set of circumstances. We've got uh, families doing this with kids in, in wheelchairs who are handicapped, uh, who have mental disorders, 
We've got families doing this um, with very, very minimal income, almost no income. Uh, there are families doing this in, in so many different circumstances. What it really takes to make this work is a desire and a commitment. And when you know it's what's right for your family, you'll find a way. Yeah. So I just, I just want to want to encourage you. And, and if you come to Family Adventure Summit, you'll meet, you'll meet families who are doing it in all different circumstances, and it will inspire you. Uh, you know, even if you, the only travel you do next year is to something like that, it will open your mind to what's possible. So just don't be discouraged. If this is something you want to do, you can do it. Yeah, could not have said that better myself. And if you are in North America, particularly on the North American West Coast, uh, I would you say I definitely would say checking out the Family Adventure Academy in Seattle seems like a no-brainer. Um, awesome. Thank you. Just getting all the information you can get and then deciding that if you want to do it or not, just make sure you uh, leave the kids home for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right, Brandon. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm so happy that you took the time for us and safe flights uh, to India and the uh, rest of your travels there. Thank you so much. It's been so fun and an honor to, to be on your show. Awesome. Thank you. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Health by Design podcast with wellness architect and functional lifestylist, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this, please make sure you share it to all your social media so I can get the word out there. And don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to get all the latest updates, blogs, podcasts, and guest interviews with my special guests from all over the world, as well as to set up your own personal call for one-on-one coaching through my Health by Design life and body transformation programs. Again, that's www.roaralexander.com. I'll see you again soon. And again, thanks for tuning in to the Health by Design podcast.